Here's the thing. I keep trying to correct all the shit that fans hate about horror movies. I'm like the Rogue One of, of Friday <laughs> yeah. the 13th movies. Yeah. I made an entire film to fill up little fucking hole two meters wide in the Death Star. That's literally what I did. Ooh, hello, friends, and welcome to a very spooky episode of Who's the Ross, the podcast. I'm your terrifying host. Who's just going to stop doing that? Aaron Ross, uh, thank you so much for being back with us. This episode is our, say it with me, Dax, Friday, Friday the, the 13th. 13th. As our guest who you just heard is the director of Jason Goes to Hell, one of the finest Friday the 13th films of all time. We're going to let him tell you all about it, but I have Dax Jordan, uh, my co-host, co-writer, a production manager for the program with us. Let's hear it for Dax, everybody. Yeah, thank you. Stab, 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 stab. That's yes, right. Keeping it spooky, spooky. <laughs> Friday, the words Friday the 13th are also not in my name. Just like Jason Goes to Hell. Blew my mind. Wow. Into pieces. Something else. <laughs> That's how your brain just blew up. It did, which I think is something that happens in this oh, very film we speak of. scene of the movie. This was very cool because we had uh, this guest uh, talk about the film he directed after we screened the film at the Alamo Draft House in downtown Los Angeles. For rabid fans. Indeed, we had rabid fans uh, joining us on the previous Friday the 13th this year. Isn't that crazy? There's two Friday the 13th. I don't know how people, are, our audience, going to have to research this. Uh, yeah, this year. There was a Satan's January year. and an October. This happened in January. That's right. Right, so this was on, we felt like this, we have to do this. Crazy. Friday the 13th May never movie. happen again. To, it, it won't. We would have had to wait probably 300 years right. to put this out. Uh, let's jump into this. This is, uh, it was really incredible to get to do. Uh, Adam Marcus was so gracious. This is the first film he ever made. He's going to tell us about that, how the, the sort of stroke of luck that he got to. Young, even, hot shot. Right. Handed the reins to a valuable franchise. And then as we uh, always tell people on our franchise, Who's the Ross, how I even got to speak to someone this notable. Well, it was all because of Dax. Hold your applause. He's going to tell a story later about how he and his Boom. wife made this interview happen. In the meantime, let's get spooky. It's Friday the 13th. Here he is, the man directed one of himself, Adam Marcus. You've been teased. Now enjoy. Spookily teased. Come on, everybody. Oh, that feels good, Adam. Thank you so much for being here. This is so doggone exciting to have you. The screening was incredible uh, to this. First of all, I just want to say that when this movie came out, yeah. and I was a wee lad, mm -hmm. then and today, this is like the greatest movie poster of all Thank time. You. Is it Thank not? You. Sick. It just still resonates with me. I hadn't seen it when I was young, but I was like, I don't know what it is, but I need. There's, there's nothing better than a... Um, angry mutant penis coming out of Jason's mask <laughs> to really tell the audience something is different. Yes, yeah. something is different is yeah. the key. And let's talk about yeah. something is different. Yep. Angry mutant penis. Yes. You broke the rules with the Jason film, and yes. that's why I love it. In this Friday the 13th installment, as today is Friday the 13th, yeah. and the kismet comes together, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. my friend. Oh, yeah. You said this is not going to be Jason at Crystal Lake just chopping up teenagers. 
No, I, yes, I did say that. You said that to Sean that. S. Cunningham. I did. And I you were did. like, this won't be the same thing. And he said, people want the same. And we disagree. There was something. Go, go ahead. No, well, actually, here's the thing. The only way I got the job, the day that I got the job, Sean said to me, um, if you can get, forgive me, the fucking hockey mask out of the movie, I'll let you write and direct it. That is literally the directive I was given. And it was 21, right? Because a lot of people would you know, push back and go like, why didn't you tell him to go pound sand? I'm like, I'm 21. And this guy is giving me the, the biggest franchise in the history of, 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 of horror. Right, this is horror. This is it. Right. This, is, this is the thing. And uh, a franchise that's made over a billion dollars worldwide. So... He's handing the mantle to me and telling me, by the way, get rid of the mask. Because remember, guys, you know, Sean Cunningham made the first movie. He right. made Friday 13th. There is, Jason is an 11-year-old mutant kid living at the bottom of the lake if you think that it's real, right? It was originally just a dream sequence, right? But he didn't make a movie with a guy in a hockey mask. Right. He made a movie about the kid's mom murdering everybody. Right. So, so from, from Jump Street, it actually was different. Oh, yeah. But then it just got into formula, and you broke that away yes. as hell baby worm, angry, mutant penis, as you called it. Yeah. Excellent. You brought the supernatural into it. Of course, we've got Freddy Krueger at the end of the film, ladies oh. and gentlemen. But another thing that sets this movie apart that makes it totally bonkos in its epic nature is that the titular character dies in the first 10 minutes. Yep. Uh, but I want, we, we, what we need to know, what the people want to know, is how you became to helm this film. It's 23 with film school, but you mentioned something upstairs that I heard and found interesting. You actually have a connection to the first film. I do. And the second film, which is Coffee and Apprentice Editing. Tell them what yes, that means. Well, actually, I was, uh, yeah, I ran, I ran actually more tab, uh, which was the Diet Coke of, of the era. I wrote, I ran tabs for, um, for Sean Cunningham because the movie was such a low budget that they needed people who could actually, like, this is on the first film. The it's film, on the, first movie. the horror of the '80s, the soda of the '80s. Yes, a child of the s- 70s. 70s. Yeah, the yeah. early '70s. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. and so here's here's what we know about Tab. The real killer is aspartame. It's true. It's true, folks. It's true. How many did you kill? More deaths from aspartame than <laughs> no. Well, that's that was the thing. That, I got into the whole serial killer thing just from delivering aspartame, aspartame. to as many people as I, I need could. to see that appalled sign. Real Kevin, quick. Kevin, ba- <laughs> that's Kevin, right. Kevin Bacon aspartame. loved aspartame. <laughs> loved it. Loved All right. It. So, so you're delivering that on the first set. How did you even get there in the first place? Uh, my best friend they, was uh, was Sean Cunningham's son, Noel Cunningham. Noel Cunningham, was my who best friend uh, directed. Jason produced, produced, produced Jason X, X. produced Jason. Excuse me, excuse me. So, so the the family, the Cunningham family, runs through many of these films. Oh yeah, you're there on the first film. How do you then get to the second? Well, I didn't work on the second movie. Um, Susan Cunningham uh, edited the second movie, but Susan Cunningham, a couple years later, edited a movie called Spring Break. Anybody seen Spring Break? No one. Okay. So here's the thing. Uh, I, 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 the, the, the story goes that, mm-hmm. you know, Susan allowed me to apprentice edit on the movie. I got to work with, and this with, is the second one. Th- no, 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 this no. is, this is spring break. This is pro. This is, this a, is okay. Spring, oh, break. spring break. Yes. Okay, got it, got it, got Sean. It, got it. Sean was the director of right. both those movies. Right. And so I, I, I went into the editing room, a boy and, and came out a man. Uh, we'll get into more of the part that there's actually uh the sling, you sling some dick in this film. Uh, Equal, uh, right? Yes. In, yeah. This, oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And Jason Dax, roll the dick. <laughs> There's so much Dax, dick. Dax, I didn't. We don't. <laughs> we were. <laughs> but as but as I was told from Sean, yeah. no angry pickle. 
No, no got, angry pickle. Gotcha. I that write was, that, that down. was a rule. This on is set. a defining moment of my interview career. By the way, by the way, no Jason Goes Hell is the only Friday Thirteenth movie with as much male nudity as female nudity, um, and I demanded that. And Sean didn't want me to do it. Like Sean was totally against it, and I was like, "Well, I'm gonna do it." So that's happening. Um, well, that's and that's that that's that film school grad. Yeah. So how do you get to that? You apprenticed early. You yeah. knew the family. Yeah. That's the connection to getting in. But why out of film school? Why this one? Well, I I had I had one best picture at NYU for a movie I made called So You Like This Girl, and that got me two job offers. One was to work on season two of Twin Peaks mm. um, in the writers room, and the other one, Sean Cunningham called me and said, "I saw your movie. It's terrific. Uh, come to LA. Be my bitch for a year." And I will give you your shot. Hollywood bitch. Literally the words. It's how you got in. And really. I went, I went, oh boy, I wanna, I'm gonna be someone's bitch. <laughs> so uh, so I it's rushed to Hollywood. Millhouse reaction Isn't to it? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I get to I get to LA mm. and I had a script from mm. this guy, uh, Dean Laurie, who was my best friend in college. Mm. And he'd written this extraordinary movie called Johnny Zombie, which was the movie I wanted to make. That was the first movie I wanted to make. And I got out here, I Sean ended up seeing the script, loved it. We sold it to Disney. It became my boyfriend's back for any of my boyfriend's back fans. Uh, but it was a Disney movie, and it was like an $8 million budget. There was no way they were going to let a 21-year-old right, kid do it. they're not letting a kid take that one off. Never. No. So I made Sean a ton of money. I turned to Sean and said, give me a movie. Like, I just made you all that money. Give me a movie. And he was like, you, you are something. She's got some balls on this guy right um, here. Well, New Line's going to buy Jason Voorhees from Paramount. Get the fucking mask out of the movie. I'll let you write and direct it. And that's literally how it happened. I'm 21 years old, and I was like, what? And, of course, at first I'm like, yeah! And then I'm like, wait, I got to get what out of what? I yeah, it's like saying you got to get the, the lightsabers out of Star Wars. Yes. That's not an enviable task. No. No. But here's the thing. There were already six movies with a hockey mask, one movie with a sack head. Of course, part five isn't actually Jason, it's Roy. Um, and the first movie is his mom. So it's like, well, there's a lot of movies right. with teenagers getting hacked up by a guy in a hockey mask. Mm. Okay, I'll come up with something. And the other thing, here's the thing. How many, how many, how many uh, franchise fans in here? How many people love the Friday 13th movies, No, right? don't raise the hands. Dax, hit that yes. applause sign. Yes, we yes, want to yes. get loud. Okay. Raised hands don't play on documentary cameras. Here's the here's thing. Okay, there, there's a problem in the movie. There's a problem in the, in the franchise. There's a lot of problems, but there's, there's one very specific one. Um, from part one to part two, part one is a little boy at the bottom of the lake. There's an 11-year-old mutant kid at the bottom of the lake who jumps up and grabs her and pulls her down in the water. Great. So Adrian King comes back for part two, which takes place two weeks later. But Jason has gained 110 pounds of body weight, has learned how to drive because he got there. He also carried mom's head with him. And, and he's had to have learned to read because the only way any of us could get anywhere back then or find anybody was the white pages. So somehow this guy is reading a phone book <laughs> and, and you're like, but he was a kid two weeks ago, right? Here's the other thing. And this is my favorite part. And this is the part nobody ever talks about. He had, huh? Well, well, here's the other thing. This gentleman said it was the water, but you, right. you're, you've got something to add to that. Here's the thing. Jason has a hell of a sense of humor in part two because he hides his mom's head in the refrigerator, closes it, and goes and hides. And he waits for her to find the head. This is going to be hilarious. 
And then she opens the thing, screams, and then he kills her. He could have killed her anywhere else in the apartment. No, no, no. He's got a ruse of putting the head in the fridge. Wait till she sees my mom's head. So here, here's the thing. I, I said, all right, so obviously this character is magical. This is a magic being. Right. So my favorite, one of my favorite movies growing up, and it was amazing because you guys saw the trailer for the newest version of this, was The Evil Dead. I was an evil dead maniac. And my guys who were doing the makeup on the film, K and B, they were working on Army of Darkness while I was prepping this movie. Right. Same time it was, it was, yeah. Right. So I asked the K and B guys, can I come out and see you guys on set and hang out and meet Sam? I'd never met Sam. They were like, absolutely. Oh, you and Sam will get along great. So I go out there, I meet Sam. He's freaking awesome. And I say, hey. Do you mind if I borrow your Necronomicon for the next Friday yes. the 13th movie? And Sam was like, fuck yeah. And he put it in, I'm telling you, this trick, he put it in a Ziploc bag and handed it to me. Okay? The actual prop from the movie. So I put it in here because my thinking was, well, if Pamela Voorhees wants her son back, if that's her whole reason for what she does in the first movie, wouldn't she turn to the darkness? and try to resurrect her son any way she could. Hence, Necronomicon. Now, Jason, 11-year-old kid, wakes up at the bottom of Crystal Lake, right? In all this muck and mire, and he's terrified because he's already this, you know, he's this handicapable kid who's now stuck at the bottom of this lake. All he knows is the darkness and cold of this water. He's afraid to go anywhere until he sees Mama by the side of the lake, and he's going to go get Mom. Like, there's my mom, there's my mom. And, And Alice cuts his head off. Cuts her head off, excuse me. Well, okay, if I'm part of the darkness, if I'm one of the evil dead or a revenant, I know, people love to go like, a dead I can't, uh, shut up. <laughs> Here's the thing. He's now a magical creature who rises up from Crystal right. Lake and can be Hell's assassin. And that was the reasoning and for tying all this That's tying in together. the evil dead part of exactly. it. Exactly. You brought the supernatural to a film that seemed... Like it needed supernatural. Seemed like it had it there it the whole time. It was. Yeah, it was. Uh, and, and I love that that's in there. And honestly, when I first saw it when I was younger, I had no idea that connection was there. So yeah. it leads me to ask this. You think this. You go. You find the book. Yeah. Right? You bring it over. Yep. Uh, Sam's cool. Prop guy. Furious at both of you forever. He loves it. He loved that we had that. Oh, is that he true? Loved, oh, he loved well, it. I wrote a report. He was like, don't take my book. Um, oh, oh, no. The guy who made the prop. Yes. Yeah, he's still pissed to this day. He's still, still bingo, pissed. Bingo, bingo. still pissed. He is, I would say, maybe appalled. He is appalled. Yeah, yeah all right. I think he's appalled. Uh, no, but, uh, so Ooh. how much more of that did you want to do with the Evil Dead connection? Or how much did you do? Because we know that there is... 40-ish minutes out there yeah. from your original rough yeah. cut. There's a, there's a little more stuff spe- specifically to Evil Dead, but I will tell you the yes. Kandarian dagger is in there. Right. Like the dag- the magic magic dagger, which is the thing we would we would sing every time the magic dagger would come up in editing. Um, we'd all just, the whole room would be like, magic dagger. Um, because you there should no really should have, in the, when you get the director's cut out, I think there should be a choral, magic dagger. Yeah. Absolutely. 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 Get and if Swinky you're available, it though, right, Swinky? Yes. Yes, yeah. we can make that happen. Um, <laughs> I will tell you, if you ever listen to the commentary for the movie that's on that disc, yes. we do that. Oh, we actually do <laughs> sing that excellent. every time the Magic Dagger excellent. comes in. We do. Um, but 
th- that all of the connections I tried to throw in there. The problem is New Line didn't own the rights to the Evil Dead, so we could never say the Evil Dead. Right, I just right, kept right. putting in Easter eggs well, before okay. there were Easter eggs. Okay, so let's let's get to that. This is a thing we all know the MCU, right? That's that's yes. all, that's almost cinema in its own right these it sure days, is. right? Sure Connectivity, is. crossover, yeah. synergy between films. Yeah. But back in 1993, in the early 90s, in horror, that was not the case. No. And I would like to say that I believe you created not the MCU. But the HCU, ladies and gentlemen, you created the horror cinematic universe. Just think about it. You drop in the Evil Dead stuff, Mm -hmm. right, in the Mm -hmm. supernatural, into Jason's world. Yet at the end, you tie in Freddy F. and Krueger. Yes. Freddy F. Krueger. That is his his middle name. That is his middle name. Is there more you've ever wanted to do creating this HCU? Because it seems like the time is now to keep moving these. And oddly enough... Other than Freddy versus Jason, which was probably supposed to happen a year or two after this film. Yes, it was. And it took, what, 15 ten. plus? Ten, ten, ten years, ten, exactly. Ten, ten years, exactly. Ten years exactly. Mm-hmm. How much are you just salivating to, to, to mix these worlds up and do the HCU that you invented? Because I fucking said so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Lots. I did. I really wanted to. Right. And, and it was, um, look, by the way, the entire movie, all of that stuff, all of the crossover stuff, is simply because of Scooby-Doo. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Like zoinks! What do you mean, Adam? Uh, it was, it's, the, it's really this simple. Um, when I was young, uh, when I was a little kid, uh, Batman was on Scooby-Doo. Like, there was an episode where Batman showed up, and I was like, wait a second! <laughs> zoinks! Scooby-Doo knows... <laughs> Batman? <laughs> and then like two weeks later, the Harlem Globetrotters were on Scooby-Doo. I was uh-huh. like, um, what is happening? Scooby. Like, they all know each other. This is so much cooler than it was. And for me, you know how, you know like that Geico commercial where, they, where their kids are like, let's hide behind the chainsaws in a horror movie. You always make bad <laughs> decisions. So here's the thing. Everybody always complains that people in horror movies are idiots and have never seen a horror movie. Well, guess what? What if all horror movies take place in the same universe so none of them have actually ever seen our version of a horror movie? Now, all of those stupid... Here's the thing. I keep trying to correct all the shit that fans hate about horror movies. I'm like the Rogue One of of Friday (laughs) the 13th movies. Yeah! I made an entire film to fill up little fucking hole two meters wide in the Death Star. That's literally what I did. So before there was a rogue one, by the well, way. Well, I, lo- I love that, and so and this is incredible that this HCU yeah. was inspired by Scooby F. Do. Yes, it the was. The F stands for fun in this case, friends. No one regales like Adam Marcus. The stories are incredible. Storyteller. Yeah, I had a great time. Been wanting to have him on forever. Yeah. Um, he's my wife's acting coach. Yes. And uh, But his, the acting class was always on the same night we were doing shows. Which right. Which traditionally Tuesday, Tuesday nights. or Wednesday nights even. Uh, you, you had been saying for years, yeah. hey, I want to get the Jason Goes to Hell director on. Because my wife's in his acting class. I said, well, that's he tells great. great stories. I knew he would love to talk about it, and you right. guys would, would hit it off. Right. And it just, uh, the calendar was against us. The ca- it somehow never worked. There was also, I was working against us. <laughs> because as much as I don't want to admit this, uh, I had never seen any Jason films. Right. Every time you'd ask, you weren't super up until we it. booked him. <laughs> and so, you know, disrespect, but I don't like to admit, I didn't, of course, admit that in front of the live audience, but right. as we try to illuminate sort of the inner workings of Who's the Ross and creating your DIY talk show, 
I do have to admit, I had never seen any of them. You can't see everything all the time. Well, I did have to see almost, I, I saw everything I could see about Jason in a week before this interview. That's right. You did the work, you caught up, you crammed, you crammed Jason. I crammed Jason. Into your brain. I saw all of his crammings of knives, blades, saws, things. was a lot of crammings. Into, right. I think that was the first clip we watched. You said, you know what? We're going to watch Jason Goes to Hell, obviously. Right. Which I loved, which I genuinely was like, this is not what I expected. It was out bonkers. Of it was bonkers. Yeah. Uh, it was so different as a horror film. I'd never seen anything like it, which was great because then I was, I, my interest was so piqued in talking to Adam. Exactly. But you also said, let's watch this 25-minute uh, YouTube clip of every kill. That's, that's <laughs> what you need to do. That was the gold. Yes, that's journalism at its finest. Well, also, can I say that it was, so this was something interesting. Upon pitching your friend, Adam Marcus, um, he had a unique reason to work with us. It was the 30th anniversary of his film coming up. That's right. They were already in the process of creating a documentary about the following that this film has gained. Right. And the whole thing behind it. Very cult. And they were uh, they brought some of their own equipment to record. And yes, they, they wanted f- to make this. <laughs> Our show is going to be in the documentary because they needed a chance to tell some of these stories and to have some of these questions answered. And we've provided the perfect cinematic. Oh my gosh. Lo- downtown Los Angeles in an iconic venue already. Like we gave, we handed them a gift on a platter that they wanted while getting what we wanted. It was just the perfect combination of things. Kismet. Yes. And I remember. Whatever that is, that's what it was. Exactly. <laughs> Let's get back to the big slugger. Let's hit some more home runs, shall we? Knock them out of the park like <laughs> Jason's head flying through the trees. I, that's a game for later, our, our uh, killer nil. Has someone had a baseball bat knock their head off in the Jason films? Oh. Nerds research. Boy. We're going to talk to you about a game we did in that regard of whether a kill <laughs> was real or fake. Uh, but, but right now, yes, more. Director of Jason Goes to Hell, Adam Marcus. Take it away. So, give me your thoughts on this after I sort of paint a picture and, and, sure. and some questions. A, a lot of cameos in the film. Uh, the, tell us who is the who is Freddie well, right Freddy, there? Well, Freddie is Kane Hodder. Kane Hodder, um, who played Jason Voorhees, who really is the only real Jason Voorhees, in my opinion. Um, uh, yeah, that's applause sign worthy. The man. Yeah. He, is, he is the man. Um, Kane, Kane not only plays Jason Voorhees, but he is also the mulleted FBI guy at the beginning of the movie who tells... Jason, that he's nothing but a big old pussy. So that's amazing. And uh, and he is Freddy Krueger. He is the hand of Freddy Krueger. So he is the only actor to play Jason, Leatherface, and Whoa. Freddy. He's Whoa! He's the only guy to do it. Whoa! Yes. That yes. is epic. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent yeah. trivia. Yeah. Well done there, Garth. And uh, Kane's amazing. Amazing guy. I, I love the HCU and all the tie-ins. Let's talk, uh, um, illuminate to the audience the timeline of this. We talked about how you got this film as a young man. Yeah. How long from you even getting the idea that you could do the film mm-hmm. to the film's release? What's the just the how how much time for, is, to the film's release? Four yeah. years. Four years from four years. hey maybe yeah to it's on screen. Four, Absolutely four years. Tell uh, trials tribulations in the meantime. Tell us. Uh, it, it was crazy. Um, look, Sean is weird about writing about scripts. We went through so many drafts, and then, of course, New Line had to jump onto that as well. And so at one point, we were finally making the film. We'd crewed up. We'd cast up. We had the whole thing ready to go. And Bob Shea, who was the president of New Line, had been in Europe for a few months, came back, found out that Mike DeLuca and Mark Rodesky 
had said yes and greenlit the movie, and he was like, nobody greenlights a movie at my studio except me. I'm the only one who gets a green light a goddamn thing. And he, sa- he said, give me the script. He'd never read the script. And he was like, this script is shit. We can't do this movie. It's shit. We need, we need a rewrite. And they took us off a green light to a yellow light. Now, in, in every, I'm sure a lot of you know, because we're in L.A., a yellow light basically means your movie's dead. It's done. It's never going to happen. Well, in L.A., it means speed up, but go on. <laughs> I, I personally was so naive because I was a kid. I was like, no, we're going to make it work. And we did. We got someone in who knew Bob, uh, a guy named Les Boehm, who's, by the way, is the bassist for the band Sparks, if there are any Sparks fans in the room. Well, also- excellent, yes. Yeah, fantastic documentary. On, on uh, amazing documentary. Yeah, amazing. Um, and Les is also an Emmy Award-winning writer and, and director himself. He's a brilliant guy. Les goes, the script's great. It's not a problem. Bob just wants his fingerprints on it, and I know the format he likes a screenplay to be in. Les Boehm wrote one extra page on Jason Goes to Hell and he retyped the script. When we went to decide who was going to get credit on the screenplay, we came to Les and said, do you want a credit? And he went, are you out of your mind? No, I didn't do any. I got paid way too much money for a weekend and I retyped the script. He says, but I want to teach New Line and Bob Shea a lesson. I said, okay. He said, the dead last credit of your entire film, I wanted to say, executive typist Leslie Boehm. <laughs> it's the last credit on Jason Goes to Hell. Wow. And it is him giving, the, giving Bob Shea a middle finger. Yep. So much uh, incredible insight. Uh, the, the, what went into this film, what happened in this film, and let, let's carry on to casting. Yeah. Uh, great veteran actors in the film. Amazing. Well... well Funny, not really, there, there was only a couple of veterans. There were a lot of newbies uh, who everybody thinks now are veterans because they become such stars. Well, let me ask you about that. Were you involved at all in the casting? Every single person. Uh, screen test, did you also do a scream test? Does that yeah, happen? It does happen. It does. There yeah. is a scream test. There is. Excellent. There is. Um, yep, that is true. That is a true thing. A uh, lot of cameos, as we mentioned, uh, Kane multiple times, also Freddie. Yep. Uh, Mark and Brian. Oh, yeah. The L.A. drive time guys get oh, their yeah. heads yeah. exploded. Yeah. yeah, Mark and Brian. Yeah, Mark and Brian yeah. fans. I wish we had uh, uh, writer Dean. Uh, uh, Dean Laurie's in the movie. Yep. Dean, Dean Laurie's in the movie. Uh, a maggoty blown up fuck. That's that's Dean. your brother yes. uh, whose head. My brother gets, Kip. Yep, yeah, brother my Kip. brother Kip. Uh, and then uh, yourself. Yes. Officer Bish. And feel free to jump in with any actions you want to talk about. But I have to talk about Creighton Duke. I have to talk about this character. Creighton Duke. Tell tell everyone the actor again. Stephen Williams. Stephen Williams. Uh, Round of applause for Stephen Williams. Amazing. Amazing actor. Bonkers performance. He said he had to be a cowboy. He had to dress as a cowboy for this film. How much of that character came from the page? How much of it came from the actor? How much of it came from the director? Uh, It was actually incredibly collaborative. Mm -hmm. We originally had a guy named John Rubenstein, who uh, won the Tony Award for Pippin on Broadway. Uh, Was uh, in many television shows. Terrific actor. His agent talked him out of doing the movie. He wanted to do the movie. We, We had actually done readings with him. He was all set to go. We even costumed for that actor. And then when... He would, was not able to do it. My cast directors came to me and said, have you ever thought of a person of color for this part? And I went, I hadn't until the moment you said it, and I think it's a great idea. Let's do it. I originally wanted to go to Yafet Kodo. Um, they wouldn't let me because he had just done Freddy's Dead, and New Line would not cross the streams on the movies. So I said, okay, 
who can who can I meet to, right. to, to look at this? Uh, I met with Tony Todd. Yep. And he was amazing. But Stephen Williams came in. He was three lines into his audition. And what Stephen Williams has is crazy eyes. <laughs> yes. Because he's crazy. <laughs> Hoo-ah. Hoo-ah. And, and I have to tell you, we were three lines into his audition. I turned to my, my casting guys. I went, that's the guy. That's great. Excellent. That's the guy. And here's the thing. He was our nod to Quint from Jaws because Dean yes. and I both are obsessed with Jaws and obsessed with Quint. So we had to have our, and that's why he says, uh, it's a, I'll get go. you the machete, the mask, the whole damn thing. And it's direct quote from Jaws. So but, Quint says the same thing about getting, yeah, yeah the fin, the, yeah. 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 I get you the, ha- the head, the tail, the whole damn thing. Oh man. Yep. So here's the thing. Um, we went in knowing we wanted Quint and now I've got this maniac as Quint and we had the costume from from the other actor, and it made Stephen just look homeless. It was terrible. And Stephen said to me, he says, uh, I got a cowboy hat and a duster. <laughs> and I was like, are they black? He was like, damn right they're black. I said, let's go get those. And literally, he drove to his place with the costume designer, brought back the stuff, put it on. I was like, that's it. That's great. And... And what's awesome about Steven, and this is what a lunatic he is, the scene we wrote in the jail, the jail scene, where, where him and John LeMay have all that, the finger break. The finger scene, breaks. Right? The yeah, finger yeah. Breaks. We will not be showing that. Again. No. So that scene was exactly as it's written. But Steven said to me, he said, hey, since we're in prison together, could we play it? that I'm expecting him to give me a handy. (laughs) And I was like, that is the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. (laughs) And what's amazing is that John LeMay had no idea we were going to play it that way at first. So when John first puts his hand through the bars, right, for the first time, and Steven is softly caressing his hand. Totally. There's this great moment in the close-up where John just kind of looked at the camera and was like, <laughs> and I'm like, go with it, go with it, go with it. And by the end of the scene, John was like, that guy's a genius. Like that, that was amazing. I'm like, it's like a whole other level of tension that I wasn't yeah. even thinking about. And it's incredible. It's so incredible. It's I've, so I've, good. I've often described this movie as the most homoerotic Jason movie there is. <laughs> Damn Skippy. Yeah. By Damn far. Skippy. Yeah. Love you give it, it. Yeah, get man. that applause sign up there. Yeah. Oh, applause. That's right. Yep. Homoerotic. Um, there's talk, there was talk at the time, and surely a thought for a while, of a spinoff. Like, where else could you take him? And, in, and, and I don't know, tell us if it was something you shot, mm-hmm. but there, we don't really know why Creighton Duke wants to kill Jason. But there's a reason. You want to tell him? There is. Um, we actually did shoot his, his monologue. Uh, Stephen had a monologue about what happened at Crystal Lake and why he wanted to kill Jason. Um, and it was a character we nicknamed Sally Mae Rottencrotch. Um, which was his girlfriend. <laughs> that was Creighton's girlfriend when they were high schoolers. And he took her out on Crystal Lake to propose. And the boat capsizes because Jason Ooh. is under the boat and he drags Sa- Sally Mae Rottencrotch to the bottom of Crystal Lake. Um, and, 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 and Creighton dives down, tries to find her, tries to find her, and she's gone forever. And it's that moment that this teenage kid goes... I will, I will, whatever it takes, I will end him. And that's when he starts to become a bounty hunter. 
Right. So his whole life is about finding how to get Jason. And spin, like, could it happen? Could a spinoff ever happen? Um, Steven and I are actually working on a project yes! right now together. Yes. We are. That, ca- that character is we just time. From what yeah. you tell of the story Hoo-ah. of the collaboration. Yeah. The collaboration between. Uh, let me, I want to ask these, these fine folks right here. Uh, how many of you saw Jason Goes to Hell upon first release? Make some noise. Eight of you. Fantastic. Anybody willing to say, you know what? I didn't get it at the time. Yeah. This oath, Love it. Did, you know what, sir? Thank you for being honest. Yes. That's a real man. Come on up here, sir. We're going to spank your bottom. No, no, no. We're definitely he, not he, doing he's that. He's going to spank your bottom. Oh, I I'm thought not, we'd I'm have not. a little extra home. All right. I'm All right. Well, okay, film. good. Uh, for, hey, if you don't tell HR about that, I'm going to give you movie tickets later. Um, okay. Uh, uh, this was a thing at the time. There was a misconception about this film, as Sean well, had said. Here's the thing. There wasn't an initial release. Yes, there were people who were like, fuck you, why isn't there more of the hockey mask in the movie? Sure. Right? I totally there were people it. that didn't get necessarily the supernatural, where I feel like, this is just my opinion, yeah. that today, it's fucking raw. Like, to today's aesthetics, yes. it is like, yes, yes, this is Jason. Yep. Yeah. Do, were you fielding anything at the time with people going that they didn't get it that, that was a challenge? Yeah, you, you? Get, you get a little bit of it, but remember, when this movie came out, the internet was like, Bing, bing, bing. That's it a really no, good impression. Thank you. A lot of people think of the bing, 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 but it, it actually was just yes. bing, bing. That was it. That was it. <laughs> it was man. 93 when, when AOL was giving out like just uh, like Betamax to yes. put it. Yeah, yeah. And, every, uh, and all the screens were just green and black. Right, right, right. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. you weren't getting the trolls. There were no trolls. Right, there were no trolls. There were no trolls. Oh, what a magical people, time. People would actually have to write letters. So, yes. Oh, which is hilarious. I got fan mail, and I got some mail telling me, I hope you get ass cancer. You raped my childhood. (laughs) Oh, no. Good Lord. Literally, I got this. I got, that's true. There's no better time for the appalled sign than than right there. It's true. What what did you, how did you feel the first time you showed the film? When you you tested it the first time, how did you feel? We tested it uh, at, uh, at a theater right near USC, and we had, yeah, and we had, uh, we had a fantastic audience, uh, there's a guy in the third row who threw up uh, right when, when when the heart got eaten. So everybody wow. was like, we got a hit. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, and the movie was uh, about 93, 94 minutes. But there was stuff that we still needed to cut. So we knew it was going to cut down considerably. And the audience, the only thing that they kept asking for was there aren't any campers getting killed by the lake. And so we went and created that sequence where the campers get mm. killed by the lake. That was the only real addition to the movie. Gotcha. Um, that was it. But there had to be some other obstacles. I'm assuming the MPAA. Horrible. Horrible. They turned the movie off. They didn't even watch the whole film, which they don't. For they're not supposed to do that. What's the MPAA? The MPAA is a board of religious maniacs who are protecting uh. children. Who are protecting children from things that you would see in a movie theater. Now, again, this body still exists and you still have to send your movies to them when everything is available to children on their television now. Like, you don't have to go to a theater to see this movie anymore, right? So this body decides what is okay and what's not okay for people. Now, this movie is a, it was rated R. We knew it was going to be rated R. Of course. So of you course. can't get in without a parent, right? right? Unless you're 17. That's the rules. You're not coming to Jason Goes to Hell to see, you know, 
a, a, a Jane Austen romantic dramedy. Although that coming, crossover would be sick. It would yeah. be. It actually would be. Um, I would, I would, sl- I would fear, slaughter some other Was there ever fear of, of NC-17? Was that being thrown well, at no, you? That was, that, actually, they turned off the movie, called Sean, and said, we would give this an X. What? That's what they said. Um, oh. By the way, they don't even tell you what to cut. The MPAA doesn't tell you what to cut. They just tell you there's a cumulative uh, value that they have a problem with. So you have to cut. Oh, God, you have to just get, oh, that's horrible. You just cut. Yeah. Well, so uh, you've got this rough cut at 130. I know that there's a push, as this is the 30th anniversary, yeah. for the director's cut. Yes. How does that happen? And maybe can you tease for us a little of what that would mean? Uh, what that would mean is that Warner Brothers would allow me into the archives, the New Line archives, for the 35 millimeter footage that does exist and allow me to restore the movie the way I think it should be. How does that happen? What could the people do anything? Is there Petitioning. A, that's, petitioning. That's, that's how all this stuff, that's how the Snyder Cut happened. That's how all this stuff happens. And there was a petition that actually got a lot of signatures right. a few years back. Right. But it was right before the pandemic, and I think it sort of fizzled out because of the pandemic. So, it, look, if I, I, I've already told everybody at Warner Brothers I would cut the movie for free, that I would come in and do, do the work for free to give people the actual ultimate vision of the movie. What would it, Give me a little distaste of what the ultimate vision would mean well, to you. Well, Creighton's monologue would be in there. It, it would be less— As it should be. It would be less about gore, guys. I mean, there's a lot of gore in the movie. It would be more about character development and getting to know these people a little bit more before they died, which was kind of what I was doing, because the one thing I'm not crazy about about the franchise is that eventually it just got to a point where it's like, all these teenagers are, are signposts that were just waiting for them to get cut down. Right. And that's not really fun. That, I mean, it's fine, but it's not emotionally interesting. And I wanted Jason Goes to Hell to be more emotionally interesting. Dax, dare I say, Adam killed it. Bloody good time was had. Bloody good time, yeah. indeed. There was one other sub uh, plot to all this. Ooh. was also that Kristen, my wife, mm-hmm. who was in his acting class, was a little hesitant for a period of time coming out of quarantine to contact him about it, only because she was in the process of basically stopping acting, and she moved into production, and she knew that he was, he's a big fan of hers and loves her work. As we are, too. She and, produced this episode live at the absolutely. Alamo. Absolutely. And she was afraid to tell him that she wasn't coming back to class. Oh. And she didn't want to have to deal with those the feelings and, and having to, you know, mm. him leaning into, yeah, you should come back to class and everything. And it wasn't until she was fully prepared to say to him, hey, I'm... I'm hanging that up for now, and uh, I'm going into production, and I'm getting great gigs and networking it already. So, and I'm going to produce this episode, and this and that is was me big. in production now. That was this big. was her coming out party to him, and it allowed this transition yes. in their relationship. I think it's thanks time. Thanks to you for all that you did to make this uh, episode happen. Thanks again to your wife, Kristen Wall, for producing this episode and making it happen. To Adam Marcus for being a phenomenal guest. Our house band who was there live. Uh, the squad, Nate Rich. Smoking hot. Nate and the Neverlates are the best. Swinky, our singer there. And uh, and not only the people that showed up uh, live, uh, but you, the people listening in. And thank you, Aaron, for making the cracks. That's Kristen and Dax. Look good. Damn. 
Thanks, Cracks, for making this cracky guy look good. Thank you again, friends. Stay awesome. Uh, check out our bonus clips uh, at uh, youtube.com slash who's the Ross. You can see our game, Killer Nil, play along. Mm-hmm. The question is, fun is well, yeah, we let you you and I wrote this together. The question is, is a, a kill that I mentioned in a Jason film or did we make it up? Is it a kill or nil? Uh, we had a great time with it, but you have to see it to believe it. That's why it's on YouTube. So go check that clip out. In the meantime, Dax and I say a spooky sayonara. Bye, friends. We'll see you next time on Who's the Ross? The podcast. Ouch, a machete. Kill.